It's definitely a combination of a window and solar renewable energy generation technology all in one. Our technology has to be energy efficient and it's got to be more energy efficient than what exists on the market today is, even if it's not producing renewable energy. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhower. Today we are talking about collecting solar power through windows. It's an intriguing concept. Windows are everywhere, right? And they're flat like solar panels. Why not tap them to harness a little energy while they're mounted there? My guest says they have found a solution that satisfies what you'd require from a solar-powered window. They're not tinted. They don't have circuitry woven through it. Instead, there's a transparent coating applied to the surface of a typical window pane. That's about as much as was shared with me. We're left to figure it out from there. What was most surprising to me was what light it was capturing, if not the visible variety. My guess is they're converting the non-visible solar energy, namely infrared and ultraviolet. And I was a little surprised how much energy that actually is. Combine that with the fact that there can be multiples more surface area on the sides of buildings than on the rooftops, you begin to see how powerful this see-through solar can be. My guest today is Vera Hardiff, Vice President of Strategy for Ubiquitous Energy, a transparent solar developer based in Redwood City in the heart of Silicon Valley. Kind of appropriate since that's what windows are made of. The technology was developed about 12 years ago. Ubiquitous started manufacturing windows in 2019, and as Vera has put it, they've had conversations with just about every window maker on the planet. I came into the interview with just a handful of questions, but as you'll see, this was one of my most wide-ranging interviews. We touched on the fine line Ubiquitous is trying to tow. Is this an energy efficient window or a solar panel? How easy has adoption been? As we discussed back in episode 96, the building industry can be skittish about new materials no matter how much upside they may have. And we also touched on that bizarre story from 2019 where New York was considering banning windows on all new skyscrapers. <laughs> I hope you enjoy my conversation with Vera Hardiff. Viral Hardev, Vice President of Strategy for Ubiquitous Energy and Viral. It would seem that having windows double as solar panels would be a simple enough strategy. What was the technical hurdle Ubiquitous had to overcome? Yeah, great question, Jay. And by the way, thanks for having me. I think the biggest hurdle we had to overcome was to put solar panels into a window in a way that still made the window look like a window. The solar aspect of it had to be what we call aesthetically pleasing, right? You got to be able to see in and out of it. And it's got to be basically unobtrusive, right? To the human eye and to our visual sense. And if you look historically at different companies and technologies that have tried to integrate solar traditionally into windows, I think they all did not solve that main issue. And that's really, I think, what sets our technology and our products apart is that even though our windows are doubling as solar panels, at the end of the day, they still look like a traditional window. 
Sure. And one of the big surprises for me was it's not absorbing visible light, you know, sunlight. But even that, can these windows be completely clear, completely transparent? Do they have to be tinted? And even if they are clear, would you still see some electronics, little circuitry bits and pieces within the windows? What are we looking at when we're looking through your windows? Literally, it's you don't see anything. And that's really our goal, right? It should be completely invisible. And the way it works is it's just like any other traditional solar technology. You know, it's seeing light spectrum from sunlight and it's absorbing some of that light energy and converting it into useful energy or electricity. The novelty to our technology is that we're not absorbing all of that visible light. So light energy that we as humans know as color, roughly between 400 nanometers to 700 nanometers in wavelength, our technology is on purpose not absorbing that light energy. And that's how we can make something that by physics to us looks completely transparent, but we're absorbing what we call a non-visible light energy that's coming from sunlight. So mostly commonly known as the ultraviolet portion of the spectrum and the infrared and near and deep infrared portion of the spectrum, where there's actually a lot of power potential available from the light energy Energy from sun. And so we're capturing or harnessing that non-visible light energy into useful electricity and maintaining virtually invisible levels of transparency because we're letting all of that visible light that we see with our human eye right through the window and the glass. Right. And Vero, look, <laughs> this technology, this non-visible light solar power, essentially, I have never heard about this until I taught to you about the idea of absorbing infrared and ultraviolet. How long have we known about the potential to capture non-visible light and how did ubiquitous come to a solution? If you look back at solar technology and the solar industry over the last, whatever, 50, 60 years since, you know, silicon material has been around to people started making solar devices out of them, the main research and optimization, I would say objective, has really been to single-handedly just increase efficiency, right? Fast forward to today where you have commercially available some technology that's getting pretty close to the theoretical limits of what you can get with certain materials, right? Like silicon, for example. So nobody's really come up with this concept. What if you had a solar panel that on purpose looked transparent or looked invisible? You would never really think of doing something like that because you know in order to make something like that, you're going to be trading off potential power output and efficiency. And it goes against everything the industry has been trying to do in terms of improving power output or power conversion efficiency. Our founders and our scientists about 10 years ago, while they were researching solar technology in general and looking at ways to make it more lightweight, make it thin, they came across this concept of, hey, instead of doing like what everybody else is trying to do, what if we actually change the way it looks? And the thinking was, if we're able to make it much nicer to look at, and in this case, completely transparent, you could then potentially apply this technology to so many more different surface areas all around us. And you could significantly advance the amount of total solar that's out there. You can start to think about windows for your home, windows for your office building, skyscrapers, windows for automotive, windows for cars, greenhouses for agricultural, consumer electronic devices, you know, your iPhone or tablet. You don't even know it's there but it's gonna be giving you this renewable energy generation that could literally take your mobile device completely off the grid and on and on for other application areas. Yeah, how energy dense is this? And I'm also curious, do normal PV solar cells capture the non-visible light as well? 
Yeah, traditional solar technology, the way to maximize power output and efficiency is to basically match or mimic the solar spectrum from sunlight. You get UV, you get visible, you get IR, and when you mix it all together, you know, it looks like somewhat of a white light. And this is why silicon is so great, because it actually does a pretty good job at mimicking the solar spectrum, but it also absorbs that critical piece of the solar spectrum that we know as color or as visible light energy. And that's why you can't ever really make traditional silicon look transparent. You know, you can try to make it really thin, but then you're trading off on your potential power output and therefore you have no power generation capability. Our technology is doing the same thing as traditional solar technologies do. It's just that we're not capturing or utilizing that visible part of the spectrum. So from an energy density perspective, our best devices are going to be about two thirds as effective in terms of its power output or its efficiency as a traditional technology like silicon. To give you an example, your favorite solar provider, let's say your system from them is 20% efficient, right? Our equivalent system for that is going to be around 12 to 15% efficient. Apples to apples comparison. So it's effective, but we are making that conscious trade off of giving up some of that power output and efficiency in order to make it completely transparent. Well, that's not bad. You know, you're only losing about a third netting out the visible light, right? right? I mean, that's still a pretty good deal and probably about as efficient as PV cells not too long ago. Right. I yeah, mean, you're exactly. Not- and if you look at the science of this and the physics of this, when you look at that solar spectrum, it makes a lot of sense because about 33 percent or a third of the total power potential that comes from sunlight energy is actually in the visible light. So we should be able to get to the same performance for all of the other parts of the spectrum, which the traditional solar technologies do capture. Right. Mostly in the ultraviolet and infrared. I'm curious if it's as important as it is with PV and definitely with concentrated solar where you have to have direct sunlight. Does it matter if you have a particularly sunny side of the building? What considerations are you making for windows that you want to convert? Is maybe one location better for non-visible light than the other? Do you convert maybe only one sunny side of the building for it to be cost effective? The way that we think about it is exactly through that lens. As the company name is Ubiquitous Energy, we really want this technology technology to be deployed really broadly, really globally, right? For us, that means we could apply this technology to any surface on any building in any location, right? But as we know, all locations from a solar perspective and elevations are not created equally. And it's directly related to the amount of solar intensity. What we can do is we can take information and apply our effectiveness in terms of how much power can we actually capture. Our technology is very similar to things like thin film solar, which are actually not as directionally dependent, even in off angle incidents from sunlight. Think of more like diffuse light. Our technology works exactly the same way those other thin film solar technologies work in that it is definitely much more effective than traditional first generation technologies like silicon panels, which is why historically you might have seen these solar farms that have to tilt and the panels have to like track the movement of the sun. That being said, you're definitely going to get more solar exposure on the south and west facing building that's located somewhere like in Phoenix than you are in a north facing part of a building in Canada or in Detroit. Sure. And how does the wiring work for something like this? How subtle 
subtle is that, right? Yeah, it's got to be really subtle, right? And we think it's got to be really cost effective. We got to make it really easy for this to be integrated or installed or retrofitted, right? Wiring is definitely, I wouldn't say a huge hurdle, but a considerable criteria that we got to consider when we think about especially large buildings. That's where I think this technology really has some tremendous opportunity to generate quite a bit of power. Typically, any building that's 12 floors and above, the amount of surface area on the vertical space is so significantly more than what you get from any rooftop space that there might be, sometimes as much as 50 to 100 times more vertical surface area. Even if we apply our technology to that surface area, we're going to be creating so much more power than you could from your best advanced state-of-the-art solar technology from the rooftop, just because there's so much more surface area. And on the wiring side, each panel is wired. You could gang a number of these together. You could do the inversion and conversion of DC to AC back to DC. We're pretty strong believers in this movement going towards an all DC grid, almost all of the renewable energy that we generate, whether it's from solar or from wind, it's all in direct current for the most part. Of course, they need to be wired to get the power out up until the time that we have widespread wireless power transfer. I don't know that we'll get there soon in terms of high power output, but you know we already have things that are wireless charging power transfer type things. Those are kind of interesting avenues to explore. You know, We think there's an opportunity here to think about this technology, not having any external wiring at all. You could potentially do something that's very local, that's more of an application for the residential market versus the commercial building market. They could be used right at the skin to power things like IoT devices, sensors, security, cameras, monitoring. We can power with the power that we're generating right from the window. I was thinking about this. I was looking it up. About two years ago, New York City was going to suggest building fewer buildings with windows or something. Yes. Or yes. I know you guys were probably rubbing your hands together going, oh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> and look, I don't know how far along that recommendation got. New York's got a new mayor now, and I think it was pretty widely ridiculed. And yeah. You guys have a very viable solution here rather than just building Soviet-era brutalist concrete buildings, right? I mean, Jay, this is a great point. I'm glad you brought this up because when you look at those kind of things that get on the news at potential quote policies, unquote, right? What they're really trying to do is try to improve efficiency, right? And try to improve economics, right? So I think the backstory behind that specific NYC thing was really around, well, hey, if we want to really build a really efficient building, we should get rid of the most inefficient parts of the building, which believe it or not, are windows. So much heat transfer and loss goes through the window that when you think about it from that perspective, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We should just get rid of all the windows. But then to your point, not many people want to either work, live, or play in a building that has no windows. In fact, architects and designers would tell you they're trying to design buildings that have more window space, more glass, almost 100% in the industry, they call them curtain walls. Now, if you go and take a look at New York City, any building that's coming up, you'd be hard pressed to find a building that doesn't have 100% glass on the exterior skin. What's happening is glass is obviously getting better in terms of its energy efficiency. But one thing that's inherently embedded in our technology is since we're absorbing and converting a lot of that infrared, non-visible light energy into useful electricity, we're also basically blocking that light energy, which is also known as solar heat, from passing through the windows and passing through the glass. We're 
inherently making the window itself much better insulating, which then goes back to improving the overall building energy efficiency. That's something that we believe is really critical for helping to get buildings in general much closer to where we all want to get in terms of net zero and carbon neutral, the challenge is you got to make those parts of the building much more energy efficient. I did see what you're talking about. And I think even a more recent famous example that's coming out now is Charlie Munger from Berkshire Hathaway has donated a bunch of money to, I want to say it's Santa Barbara, but I could be mistaken on the exact university to build a new dormitory with no windows. Instead of having windows, they're just having displays and the displays are going to be able to mimic if you want to look outside, it'll have a nature scenery. If you want to look at the stars, it'll have a sky. And it's gotten a lot of backlash because more and more data is coming out and studies are showing that people really like to be outside more. And when they're in the building, the best way to kind of mimic that is to let as much natural light in as possible. And this also goes directly back to what designers and architects want to do is build buildings with almost all glass because then you get the best natural light possible, right? When you peel it back, it's not that people were really against glass and windows. It's almost a little tongue in cheek to say, hey, if you really wanted to build a super energy efficient building, you just build the whole thing out of concrete. You got to have windows and glass. And, you know, we're just seeing from our perspective, from the architect community, only designing buildings that just have more and more of that glass and window area. Yeah, if you wanted something 100% efficient, you would just basically build a building out of a Yeti cooler material. Right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I was thinking about this, one of the biggest, most sophisticated tech and energy efficiency is windows themselves, you know, double paned windows, yep. all of that insulation technology. How do you interact with that? Because I mean, that's a very precise technology. Are you replacing the entire window and I'm saying window as the assembly, right? Yes. You guys, your specialty is really the panes themselves and what they can do. Where does energy efficient window tech in and you begin? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So historically, what the glass and window industry has done to try to make windows more energy efficient is really improve the insulation, right? Going from a window that has only a single pane piece of glass, commonly referred to as single pane or monolithic, something like 40% of the existing building stock in the U.S. is built from windows that are single pane or monolithic, which is really bad for energy efficiency. You can do things like add another piece of glass and add a cavity in the middle, which is filled with an inert gas like argon that's referred to as an insulating glass unit or an igu you can keep going right you can make it have three pieces of glass right triple pane you can go quadruple pane and what the industry has done is they've developed what i like to simply call a series of metal oxide coatings they essentially created an infrared reflector if that makes sense it basically blocks it and reflects it back out to the world this technology is commonly referred to as low e or low emissivity so what our technology is is it's almost exactly like another low E coating. We're not letting that solar heat or infrared non-visible light energy pass through the glass or the window. We're capturing it, harnessing it, and converting it into useful electricity. So we're still serving the same purpose inherently from an insulation energy efficiency standpoint, but we're doing more. We're actually generating renewable energy as well. It could be constructed in a number of different ways, right? It's a coating that gets deposited right onto the surface of the glass, and then the rest of the window assembly process is exactly the same as windows are made today. Whether it's going to be, again, your double pane type of window, triple pane, or we could combine it with other types of insulation 
or low emissivity coatings as well to just further improve insulation performance. We talk internally a lot about we want to disrupt the product, but we don't want to disrupt the supply chain. That's a way that we can get the most broad adoption the fastest. And that's what's really important for us because we do really believe this technology does have a pretty significant opportunity to be a real big benefit in terms of local renewable energy generation, whether it's for making buildings better or for improving automotive, agriculture, or even consumer electronics. So Viral, his... Anderson come calling. I'd imagine all the major window you know, manufacturers <laughs> would be wanting to just eat this up. Yeah, you're right, Jay. For confidential reasons other than what's been publicly reported, I can't say who's been calling, but I think we've talked to probably every major window maker or manufacturer, not only in the US and North America, but probably around the world by now. And back to our strategy a little bit of how to get this widely deployed as fast as possible is really is to partner up with existing industry. And again, not disrupt the industry, but disrupt the product. We definitely have some partnerships that we've announced. We have some that are in the works, but yes, we've definitely talked to all of the name brand companies and players and manufacturers in the market in general. And that's what's really exciting for us because we've been receiving really strong interest and really strong willingness to work together with us. Yeah. I think one of the biggest questions I had was originally I was wondering if this was an alternative to rooftop solar, but I'd have to think it's nothing but a compliment. I mean, you're literally in different areas of the building. Say someone wanted to do rooftop solar and use yours. I assume they could maybe double up, make use of some of the infrastructure, especially if they were doing battery backup. Is that been your model? Oh, definitely, Jay. I mean, you hit it right on the head. We think of our technology definitely not as a replacement for traditional solar technology, but definitely as a complement, right? We often say use as much solar renewable energy technology as you can where you can, right? But where you have windows and glass area and you do want to deploy more renewable energy, think about our technology. So we think it's a direct complement and we think the two systems could essentially work as two different solar systems that could actually work together as well, right? So that you're actually able to get even more renewable energy generation that you're able to take advantage of. We've had discussions with some of the major traditional solar installation companies, solar technology providers as well. And that's what's really exciting from that perspective, again, going down this partnership road, because we really believe it's an offering that is kind of like a complement, right? Put traditional solar wherever you can afford to put it aesthetically, but where you have windows, think about our technology and it can complement whatever you're able to get from traditional technologies. What's been one of the most challenging parts of adoption in getting the market? And, you know, one of the things I'm wondering about is if you're talking about energy efficient windows, it's an efficiency financial question. And if you want rooftop solar, that's a different thing you weigh. So you're kind of in the middle of those two business models, right? Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a great question, Jay. I mean, I think if I looked back at the company's history and to where we are today, one of the biggest challenges has been how to introduce a new material type of technology into the broader, larger industry sector that we're in when we think about windows. And that's really goes to building materials, right? It's a very traditional industry, right? And there's not a lot of innovation that really occurs and it doesn't really occur at a fast pace. And rightly so, right? You want them to last for a really, really long time, right? You don't want to be so aggressive or so risk-taking on any type of new material technologies for the right reason, right? But when they're proven out and you're able to show that they're going to last, they're going to be durable, which is what we've been building, it starts to change the conversation, right? Even though we internally always believed in the technology, had our own internal testing and durability data, 
it takes time just to get that kind of same information and data from external sources that are third-party accredited testing labs or institutions like that. And so that's been a big challenge for us because we've always thought that, look, we've developed this technology in a way that's known to the industry, doesn't require any new type of manufacturing process or techniques or equipment to produce and get this to the market. So we naively thought, let's just go and partner up with a lot of these companies, teach them what we're doing, and they can be off to the races. Well, it turns out because of their, you know, rightly so conservatism, it's like, oh, this is really interesting. Why don't you guys actually prove it and do it first? Then we'll be the first customers in line to either buy product from you, license the technology from you, or work together with you, knowing all the while that we're going to pay more when you're at that stage than we could pay today to work together with you today. I would say that's been the biggest learning or take way that we've seen. And all that really means for us is that we just have to have our technology be so rock solid and so proven that it almost makes it a proposition that makes it a no-brainer. It's just too hard to pass up for the industry. So are you approaching it as an energy efficiency model or a more of a rooftop solar model? Yeah, the energy efficiency part of it is just inherently embedded in the technology. So we don't really believe that's the driver per se, but it's almost like table six criteria to have that because we can't offer a technology that only produces energy. But if you take a hit against the energy efficiency side, you're kind of making this trade off. Right. And so it's not a super attractive proposition or value. Right. We think of the energy efficiency side as really table stakes. And then from the renewable energy generation side, we really think that's the real compelling business opportunity and value proposition done in a way that integrates directly into the application space. And so again, to Windows, the Windows got to look like a traditional window and it's got to function like a traditional window. It's got to be energy efficient. It's got to do all these things. And then on top of that, we're providing the renewable energy. From a business model standpoint, you could almost think of it more like a traditional solar panel in terms of the value that you get in terms of how much energy is generated and how much electricity that is over a period of time. And, you know, you could discount that and do NPV and all that kind of stuff. But also we think there's tremendous value in integrating that kind of technology really conveniently and seamlessly into windows that either already exist or would plan to install traditional windows anyways, without making other trade-offs, without making any aesthetic trade-offs, transparency trade-offs, or any other constraints. It's definitely a combination of a window technology and a solar renewable energy generation technology all in one. We really think of it like chartering a next generation window technology more than really think of it as a traditional solar technology, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's whatever the customer wants, right? You know, and <laughs> I always feel so sorry for energy efficiency. I had a guest on from Wells Fargo who says they've been doing some investments in the clean tech space. And they uh -huh. just basically said, you know, energy efficiency is not as sexy, I think, as some of the other ones. And I, exactly. I just really feel like that's unfortunate because there's a lot of technology behind energy efficiency, but sometimes it doesn't capture the imagination of customers in the market maybe like it should. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right because the energy efficiency side, it's kind of thinking of what can we do to improve things essentially to save costs, right? And so, yeah, it's definitely not as sexy as what if you could actually integrate something that gets you on the other side of the equation, actually produces energy. But again, we really think it's table stakes, right? Our technology has to be energy efficient and it's got to be more energy efficient than what traditional technology that exists on the market today is, even if it's not producing renewable energy, right? We can do these studies and simulations like we've done with 
with not only ourselves, but with third parties that are showing that just by using our technology itself, take aside the renewable energy generation aspect of it, by just using our technology in general, we can actually save up to 10 to 30% for a typical building. The people who build these buildings and develop these buildings, they know how to play with that math, right? They know what that means to their bottom line and what kind of value there is. That 10 to 30% directly translates from an energy saving side into things like well, maybe now you don't need as significant of a HVAC system. That's pretty significant in terms of not only the cost of that system, but the amount of energy that that system needs to run. And then you can also layer in the value of the energy or electricity you're generating and levelize cost that for the given market or the geography. You could use that to offset even more consumption from the building, or you could do like a traditional solar technology and net meter it, and you can maybe even sell it back to the grid or the utility company when it makes sense to. We can easily make buildings that produce more energy than they consume. So they're going to be net positive energy buildings. Then you can start to get into these really interesting concepts, I think, from a business model perspective, especially for energy companies, which becomes a pretty interesting place to play because then each building can be its own energy provider. There's a lot of potential markets here, I think, that can be developed around technologies like ours. Absolutely. Well, this definitely is a sexy technology, so take that with what you can. I will. So, <laughs> Viral, I'm going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. Given where I am in California and cities like Berkeley that are banning it, I think the trend has started, and I don't think it's going to be a sustainable source into the future. Crude oil. Crude oil will be around. It'll take time to get displaced, but... I think eventually, I don't know what the right time frame is, but it's going to get displaced at some point. And I think that's why you see the major energy companies starting to pour in tons of money, billions of dollars into alternate kind of sources. Nuclear. Nuclear is almost nuclearly gone. <laughs> coal. And I'll add coal with carbon capture. That's an interesting one to me. I think coal has a place, but I think like other fossil fuel technologies, I think it's eventually going to go by the wayside. Wind. Wind is here to stay. I think you see the biggest investments offshore. I think aesthetically it's a challenge, but I think it's here to stay. Solar. Solar. You guys. <laughs> yeah, solar unbiased is definitely here to stay. There's about 100,000 times more solar energy that hits the surface of the earth at any given time than we actually need as a global society to power ourselves. Solar has to be a big part of the equation because there's just so much potential opportunity. Biofuels. Biofuels are very interesting. I think it's a growing field. I think it's a little early to say, but I think it's got some promise. Hydroelectric. Hydroelectric is great. Here to stay. Water, I think, is going to be and continue to be more of an issue around sustainability. The more you can do with hydro, the better. Geothermal. I think it's here to stay. I think there's a lot of cool things happening. Some pretty cool companies out there. I think it's here to stay. Energy storage. That is 100% here to stay. I think you're going to see more and more emphasis on this just because of the way that we've been doing energy storage to date. It's not very sustainable. Getting away from things like lithium batteries is going to be really critical, I think, long term. Electric vehicles. Electric vehicles are the future. Unbiasedly, as an owner of an electric vehicle, I think the time is already here for when all cars should be electric, including all major transportation, whether it's air or train or buses. Energy efficiency. As we kind of discussed earlier, non-sexy, but it's here to stay because people are always going to look at ways to cut cost. And that to me is what energy efficiency is, is energy saving. And then finally, fusion power. Fusion power, the good old promise. I haven't seen anything that makes me think that there's something there. I know there's a few really high-end name brand companies, name brand investors going into that space. The promise is great if it's real. I just haven't seen anything that's real yet to believe that. All right, Vero Hardev, Ubiquitous Energy, thank you so much for your time.
Thanks a lot for your time as well and for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully it was a conversation that was somewhat informative, somewhat entertaining and somewhat educational as well. That was Vero Harda, Vice President of Strategy for Ubiquitous Energy, a transparent solar developer based in Silicon Valley. I want to thank Vero for his time as well as Kathy Berardi for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures for this episode on energy-cast.com as well as on Instagram and Parlor at Host Energy and Twitter at Host Energy Cast. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 129. Be sure to join us next week when I host a panel with the trio of companies who believe there's more to stationary storage than the lithium-ion variety. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time.